Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. All right, so I'm going to pull a mat, and last week, whenever we were listening to the audio from the lesson, it starts off, and Matt says, yeah, guys, so uh, what ship did we talk about last week? And it didn't sound right, and he kept continuing, and I said, like, this week's ship is this. Last week's ship was that. And, but anyway, you get the point, because it's, we're talking about shipwrecks, relationships. But this week's ship, or however you want to say it, is friendship. Mm-hmm. So we're going to examine friendship and what it means from the biblical point of view, to be a friend, and what your friend should look like, and also what you should look like as a friend, not according to what the world makes it out for you to be, but what the Bible makes it out for you to be. So I want to start by looking at Proverbs 13.20. I'm going to go ahead and read that. It says, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but he, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. So what's the obvious message there that's pointing out about friends? Find good ones. That's right. We want not only good friends, but we want wise friends. We want friends that are going to point us closer to God because if we surround ourselves with those who will not and those who are foolish, we're going to become foolish. Those that we hang out with all the time typically rub off on us. Sometimes you hang out with someone that's just like super, super obnoxiously energetic, and you can't help but kind of laugh and go along with it. And then you're around someone who's kind of a prude and just sad all the time. You're not going to be happy around them. It's the same thing, though. Your personality and the way that you act as a friend rubs off on those who are around you, whether you realize it or not. And what that says is friends, like, you all have a huge, huge, huge impact on those that you're around. You have a huge impact on your friends, and your friends have a huge impact on you. And you all are all high schoolers right now, and you're in a stage where you're very, very, very easily influenced. Because just a couple years ago, I was in that same exact position. And it is friends that unfortunately influenced me in ways that I shouldn't have been influenced. It wasn't that I wanted to do those things. It's because that's what the friends or the fools that Proverbs 13.20 is referring to said was a good thing to do. And being in school, it's you're always searching for something. You're always searching for something in life. But thinking back to high school, what you're searching for was ultimately, for me, the top of the social ladder. It's like, what do I have to do to get there? What do I have to do to get there? And then I start changing my friends. I start hanging out with those that I shouldn't have been hanging out with. And then next thing I know, I'm cool. Yeah, I know. That's funny to imagine. But people liked me. But they didn't like me because I was myself. They liked me because I was foolish. And I was becoming one of the world. People like to hear that being foolish is okay and that it's cool but it's not. It's destructive. And following that, I hated every bit of it. Because you look and you have popularity. You've got all the friends. You've got all the best friends in the school, all the coolest kids like you. You have all these things, and you think, you know what? I'm going to be content. But then I relate that back to Solomon in Ecclesiastes whenever he says that he was 
king over all of Jerusalem, all over Israel. Yet, he had all that, and he reached the highest point that he could reach. And he says, when you get to that point, what else is there for you to reach for in life? You've reached everything you possibly could. It's all vanity. It's like grasping at the wind. You think that it's going to fulfill you, but it doesn't. Because the one thing that does fulfill us is God. And we need to realize that our friends are not going to fulfill us. The purpose of friendships are to point us closer to God and to help to point others closer to God. And I want to read another passage of Scripture in Mark chapter 2. It's Mark chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. And it's talking about Jesus here. It says, Then he went out again by the sea. And the multitude came to him, and he taught them. As he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. Before I continue, I want to tell you that Levi is also Matthew, who wrote the Gospel of Matthew, one of Jesus' disciples. Jesus takes Levi, or Matthew, a tax collector, somebody that was hated among society for swindling money and being extremely greedy. No one liked those guys. But Jesus walks up to him and he says, follow me. And he did it. But then as they're going, we get into the next part of the passage. It says, now it happened as he was dining in Levi's house that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, how is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And from that passage is where the phrase is derived, Jesus, friend of sinners. Jesus befriended sinners. And what that says practically is that we need to expand our friendships outside the walls of the church. And let me explain this before you take it as a ticket to go and hang out with all the people in your schools who are extremely bad influences for the sake of being there and saying you were there, but you just weren't participating. Jesus' point of friendship was ultimately discipleship. He wanted people to come to know him. He wanted them to come to know the Father through him. And that was his mission. And if your mission in hanging out with people who are sinners, which we're all sinners, but I'm saying people who are not of Christ— is to just simply be there and watch them and join in and have fun with them, you shouldn't do it. But the thing is, we need to reach them. And it's easy for you to come to church and say, you know what, I want to get my life in check, I want to be a better me, and I'm going to surround myself with church friends, and I'm going to do all the church things. I'm going to go to this church group and that church group. And you've got so many church groups that you don't even have a free night in the week because you spend so much time here. And that's a waste of time if that's all that you're doing, and it's selfish, and that's not being a friend. Because Jesus' mission was not to surround himself with the people of God 24-7, because then he would not have been fulfilling the mission that he was here to do. The mission that we are also here to do is the same. Go and make disciples of all nations. And we can't do that when we sit in the church and don't want to go outside of our Christian circles. We need to be able to be friends with people who are not of the faith and be okay with that instead of being so offended by seeing sin. Yes, it should make us sick 
at some of the things that we see going on, but we should not use that as an excuse to hide back and do nothing to change the problem. That is where hypocrisy comes from whenever people look at the church. When they see a bunch of people preaching passages like this about their Savior, who was a friend of sinners, yet they look and they just see a bunch of click, clicks of righteousness who don't go out and do. We need to go out and do instead of sitting here and learning. Because Paul said in 1 Corinthians 8, 1, that knowledge puffs up. If we're just here learning, 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 and going out and doing nothing about it, we're going to get spiritually fat. Because he says, knowledge puffs up. But love, love, going out making disciples, doing the mission of Jesus, that's what edifies us. And I use this analogy a lot, but it's because I love it. If we're in the church gaining all the information we could possibly get about God, yet don't use it to tell people about him, we're getting spiritually fat. It's just the same as loading up on protein and carbs and all these things because you think that you're going to get swole by going to the, but you lack the fact that you don't go to the gym. And yet you're consuming all these carbs and all this protein and you're just going to get fat if you don't go and work out. And the same thing is in the church. If we just come and sit here and then go home, you go, yeah, that was a good time at church. What's the point? You know the stuff, but you don't do it. And the practice is what edifies us. So that was kind of the first point there, that being a friend is loving people so much that you want to change, that you want them to be changed and that you want them to know Christ. That's true love because Jesus loved us more than we could possibly be loved, and that was exactly his mission when he came here. He came so that we could know him and we could know the Father. That is love. And what I want to say is if you all could pick in one word, one word that would make us be better friends, what would lead us to be better friends in one word? Kindness. Okay. It, it involves kindness. What are you thinking, Jed? It involves godliness. Love. Cue the love. Okay, and I have this giant love that pops up behind me. I know it's supposed to be dramatic, but it wasn't. But anyway, love. If there's one thing that helps us to become a better friend, it's love. And that leads into the next passage that we're going to look at tonight. And it's in Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. It says, But when the Pharisees heard that he silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So pretty much, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees who were very, very much about abiding in the law. All of the Old Testament laws that we read about food and just really a bunch of things that are impossible to do. But they wanted to try to stick to those as best as they could. But Jesus, you're missing the point. You don't love. 
because he summed it up into two commands and said that the entire law was summed up by those. One, love God, and two, love others. If you love God, you're not going to sin against God, and if you love others, you're not going to sin against others. It's as simple as that. Literally, every single part of the law is covered by love. And in terms of friendships, looking at love God, if we love God, we're going to have friendships that point us closer to Him. And there's a cool little, uh, how would I describe this image? I don't know how to describe it. But Matt kind of introduced it to me, and it's called the Friendship Triangle. And it's got different categories of friends or friendships on this triangle. And you see here on the bottom, we have acquaintances. And inside the little bottom part of the triangle, you see there's a lot of circles. You can fit quite a bit in there. Each circle is representative of a person, by the way. You can fit quite a bit in here. The acquaintance is the kind of person that you might see him at school, work, youth group, but you never really talk to him. You might kind of give him the head nod, be like, sup, bruh? But it doesn't really expand. Like, that's all you got. Like, you say hi, but you never even initiate conversation. You can have a ton of those guys. Like, you can have a ton. Like, that's why there's quite a bit in that part of the triangle. And then you move up to the next tier, and you have what's classified as hangouts. And these are people that, when you see them at church, work, school, you'll hang out with them there. You'll actually talk to them, but you never talk to each other outside of that place. You've went beyond the just, hey, what's up, and you talk. And again, there's still quite a bit that fit into that category, almost as much that you could have an acquaintances, but a little bit less, because as you start getting deeper with people, you can't fit as much. Um, and then we go to the next one, which that starts to get deep. And those would be close friends. Those are people that you not only talk to and hang out with when you see them, but you also choose to hang out with them outside the walls of where you're forced to see them. These are your close friends. But the one thing that lacks here in this category is the fact that you don't get deep. You don't really kind of care about them. If they called you at 3 in the morning, you would be, what the heck is wrong with you? I'm trying to sleep. Stop! And... That's that kind of friendship. Like, you only want to hang out with them for the fun, all the games, but whenever it gets serious, nah. And you can have, again, quite a bit of those that fit into that category, but again, it's less than the others. Again, as we start getting deeper with people, we can't fit as much. But then we get to the top of the triangle, and there's only three in that triangle, and that's best friends. And I'm not saying that you can only have three best friends, the, the place that gave this kind of reference mentioned like three to five, which I do agree with that. But, I mean, find a healthy balance of your best friends. You obviously cannot have as many best friends as you can have acquaintances because you would be worn out for people coming to you all the time with all their drama and this, that, and the other. You just couldn't do it. You have to pick those that you can be loyal to. And the best friends are those almost like close friends, except if they called you at 3 a.m. and told you, Say, hold on, let me, let me just think of something here. All right. Say, April calls Kate at 3 a.m. and says, you know what, Kate, I just found out Matt's cheating on me. You, instead, of, instead of Kate saying, April, shut up, why are you calling me at 3 a.m.? Kate goes, all right, Kate gets out the Glock 
And she's like, I'm coming. We're going to find him, and I'm going to put a bullet in him. <laughs> that is a best friend. And you can't have many of those because if you did, as you see, that just wouldn't be good because there'd be a lot of dead people out there. <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. As Those are the people that you call them at 3 a.m. and they know something's wrong and they want to help. They're going to do what they can. I know that was a crazy reference, but you get what I'm trying to say. If they call you with anything, anytime you're there for them and you want to help, that is the true friendship that gets deep and you're okay with it being deep. And it's important in that top part of the pyramid for our best friends that those are the ones that we invest in who are wise. Because looking back at Proverbs 13, 20, the friends of wise will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Those best friends have the highest influence on us. We get their advice. We go to them for advice, and they go to us for advice. You need those people to be the wise ones that you can go to at any time. But your acquaintances, even the people that you hang out with when you see them at school work, those people don't have a whole lot of influence on you. But those are the people that you can influence them and show them Jesus by the way that you live, and they notice that something is different about you. You don't have to just go up and evangelize to them either. That's not what I'm asking you to do because, honestly, that's a little weird sometimes. I hear a lot of times people like, man, I just hate being a Christian anymore in America because I'm so ridiculed all the time. No, you're not. Like, when has that really happened? Probably not a whole lot. Like, I've never once been criticized sincerely for my faith. The one complaint that I hear about Christians a lot of times in their ways of evangelizing is the fact that they're a little weird. It's like, knock on your door. Hey, brother, have you heard about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? It's weird. Like, Jesus didn't do that. Jesus pointed people to him by loving them and investing in their lives and being a friend to them. And that's what we should practice instead of trying to sell Jesus like we would sell a sham wow. Like, it just doesn't make sense. And over the summer, we had Austin. I don't know if you guys remember Austin, Austin Gerald. He's at Wesleyan now in college. But he came over the summer and talked and shared his testimony. And I'm not saying this to boast myself up in any way. I'm just saying this because it's practical when it comes to my mind when I think about this. Austin, throughout the entire time I knew him through high school, he was an atheist. And I was his friend. I loved him. He's a good guy. He didn't believe in God, but that doesn't change the fact that he had a good heart and he was a good person. Just because you don't believe in God, just because you're not a Christian, does not make you a bad person. And sometimes I feel like we're taught that that's the case, and it's not. People can be good, but they just still lack. And I could see that in him. He was lacking something. And so I just simply loved him, invested in him, hoped that conversations would arise, praised, prayed for him. And eventually the conversation started happening. I invited him to church a couple of years ago, and then just now over the summer, he got saved. And there wasn't one time when I went and had to say, hey man, like, you know Jesus Christ, and had to preach it. You show it to them. Yes, you have to tell them because they can't know unless they hear, but that comes best from relationships and being friends with people. If you have a random guy approach you on the street and try to evangelize, you're going to be creeped out. 
<laughs> it's it's kind of like you get annoyed. You don't want to be bothered whenever you're going on a run. Someone stop you and be like, hey, wait, can I talk to you about Jesus real quick? You want people to actually care. That's what they see. They see people that tell them about Jesus, this God who cares, yet they don't care to actually invest in their life. And that's being a friend. That is being a friend. Investing and actually spending time with people and not viewing them as anything less because they don't have Jesus. But you want to give them something more because you do have Jesus. That doesn't make you a better person. That just means that you have something in your life that you know that they need. Um, but also this leads us to the other side of this. You love God by having friends that point you closer to him, and you love God by being a friend that points people closer to him. But you love others by being a godly friend, just by simply being a good friend. And looking biblically, I see three points at what good friendship requires. And one is loyalty, two, honesty, and three, forgiveness. Start with loyalty. It goes into Proverbs 18.24 and says, A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And that friend that sticks closer to a brother, reading that seems to me to be in reference to God. God is that friend that's always here for us, always sticks closer to a brother, sticks closer than a brother. And if we have that, we're called to exemplify that. We're called to be that same friend, show that same amount of loyalty. By no means will we ever match up to God's loyalty, but that doesn't mean that we don't strive for that and we don't pray for that and allow the Spirit to change us and make us loyal friends, loyal followers of Christ. And then next is honesty. And I like this verse. It's, it's, it's just got a good reference, you know? It says, he who gives the right answer kisses the lips. And then you've got the little image up there. It says, do you like right answers? If so, you'd definitely like a kiss. One of those like little e-card pickup line things. It's like, now there's going to be all the guys going out of here tonight using that, trying to pick up Musgrave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, I mean, that's a pretty cool reference when you think about it because he who gives the right answer kisses the lips. And it's saying kissing the lips is a positive thing because it is a positive thing. I haven't met a single person who doesn't enjoy that. Kisses on the lips are pretty cool, but so is honesty. So are right answers. Honesty should be just as refreshing, just as pleasurable as a kiss on the lips. Honesty is essential in friendship. Because if you're not honest, you can't trust. And without trust, you can't have a friendship. It's based on trust. But then lastly, another point of being a good friend, which I think is the biggest one, is forgiving, forgiveness. Read Colossians 3.13, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. You look at that, it's powerful. Even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. We have to understand just how much Christ forgave us whenever he saved us. Because he didn't just forgive the things that we, that we did in the past. He also forgave the things that we will do in the future. He took it all and said, I love you. It's forgiven. It's gone. And he forgets it. Yet, what I see in a lot of friendships 
is something happens, and it's usually one little thing. And it's just a fuse. You light it, and eventually it blows up. And the friendship's gone. Friendships are typically ruined over one thing. And to me, whenever you read a verse like Colossians 3.13, it's pitiful. Because we are supposed to forgive just as Christ forgave us. Christ forgave not only one sin, but everything. The deepest, darkest thing that you've ever done that nobody knows about, he knows it and he forgave it, on top of everything else you'll ever do. That takes a lot. Yet, we cannot forgive when someone does one thing to us a lot of times. And when you look at it in that sense, it seems a little petty, and that's because it is. We let little things ruin entire friendships. The thin in turn, a lot of times these friendships are in the church, and it begins to fizzle its way out into the rest of the body and tear down the church. And that's where you raise the question, what's more important, your petty drama or the mission of Christ? And the answer is always the mission of Christ. And in order, and in order to follow the mission of Christ, it takes forgiveness. And that's hard to do. Grace is extremely hard to show. I can tell you firsthand. I struggle with it. I can sit here and say this, but I say it because I know it's the right thing to do. I, say, I try to do this, but I'm not saying it's easy. It's not. I struggle with it a lot. And I struggle with it for a long time. Because it's just so easy to justify yourself, though. Like, but this was so bad. But then you compare it to the cross, and it wasn't that bad. And that just shows we need to forgive. And I want to kind of look, and I was originally going to word it, this next slide, Jake, you can go ahead and move it on, was I was originally going to word this, warning signs of bad friendships. But honestly, I think that whenever you see that, like warning signs of this, warning signs of that, you say, yeah, that's true, and then I could tell you so-and-so, they're really a bad friend. But you don't look at yourself. In this, I want there to be self-reflection during this. Whenever we go over this, don't keep your mind on anyone besides yourself. Because a lot of times, if you self-evaluate, and you've done everything that you can, and you're being the best friend that you can be, it's hard for someone to return. It's hard for someone to not return that. If you're overwhelming someone with the qualities of being a great friend, it's hard for them not to be a great friend back. Because, like I said, even when we're not treated correctly, we still have to forgive. And we forgive and people see that grace, like, hmm. And it changes things, even when it's hard for us. But the first sign is maybe you're a little shallow. In, in terms of shallow, I mean the friendships that don't get below the surface. You might say, man, my friendships suck. I don't have any good friendships. But have you tried to get real? Have you tried to get deep? Have you tried to get below the surface? Because that's what it takes to have a good, godly friendship. You've got to get below the surface. You can't just say, hey, man, give them the head nod like the acquaintances that we talked about and expect to have a solid friendship. You have to get deep and you have to be willing to be vulnerable. And the next is, are you foolish? I hope not. But the foolish are those, when you look at yourself, am I leading other people astray? Am I being that one who's leading them down the path of destruction? Again, I hope not. But it's important to ask yourself that. Be the wise friend. Point people closer to God. The third is you gossip. And that one's a big one. 
It's a huge one, actually. But when you look at that, the reason why that doesn't work for friendships is because being a friend takes loyalty, honesty, forgiveness, and I don't see any of that in gossiping. Because if you were loyal and if you were forgiving, even though they might have stabbed you in the back and even though they might have done something to hurt your feelings, you're so loyal to them and you forgive them and show them the grace that Christ showed you, you don't go out and put them down. A loyal friend builds them up and forgives, not gossip about them. Gossiping only tears it down and makes it worse. When you have problems with a friend, address the friend about it. Confront them. Don't be brash, rude, hateful. Approach them with the love of Christ and for the sake that you want to preserve that. Don't go to anyone else about it because it's honestly not their business. It's between you and them and approach them and take care of it. No one else needs to be involved because that leads to gossip and all that does is make things worse. The next one is you're a demander and these friends are the worst. And sometimes I could be this friend, but being a demander, well, if you're really my friend, you would do this. If you're really my friend, you'd buy me a sandwich. Those kinds of friends, <laughs> guilt tripping you for not buying you something, things like that. Those demanders, like, those friends are just annoying. It's like, ah. But that's self-explanatory. I don't really need to elaborate. You're just, every, nobody likes that guy. Don't be that guy. <laughs> and lastly, you're flaky. And this one is another big one, flakiness. And flakiness is you being the kind of friend that you just want to be there for all the fun and games, and then when things get hard and they do call you at 3 a.m. like the scenario I've given, you tell them to shut up and go to bed. You don't want to be there through the difficult times. You only want to be there during the good. And that's flaky. Be, being a friend is not only just enjoying the good times, it's also the bad times. And... Lastly, there's three questions that I want all of you to ask yourself, and then I'm going to close. First one, ask yourself, who are your friends? And then honestly look at who influences you. And if my assumption is correct, your answers to number one will be the same as your answers to number two, because your friends are the ones who influence you. And I want you to write those friends down. Think about it. Pray about those friends. Pray for them. And... Look at who influences you. And if your friends and the people who are influencing you are not wise, I'm not saying to disregard them as friends. I'm not saying to never talk to them again. I'm telling you to show them the love of Christ and point them to him. But at the same time, get friends that will point you closer to God and that you can point closer to him. Get wise best friends. You need that to grow closer to God. And then lastly, ask yourself if you're a good friend. Are you honest? Are you loyal? Are you forgiving? Are you any of those qualities that we just talked about that might be a sign of being a bad friend? And honestly, I think that all of us would be able to answer yes to at least one, unfortunately. And take that and don't just say, eh, that's true. Do something about it. Pray about it. Allow God to change your heart and help you to be a better friend. With that being said, I want, you to, I want you to consider these things. I want you to pray about them. I want you to pray for your friends. I want you to pray every day that God will strengthen your friendships in him and point you to more godliness. I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to go out and go tag. Father, I just want to thank you for this time that you've given us tonight. I thank you for bringing us here together and just giving us the opportunity to talk about you so freely. 
I pray, God, that everything that was spoken tonight was not by me talking, but I pray that it was your spirit through me. I pray that the word said will have an impact on everybody in here, including myself. I pray that we'll take these things and apply them to our lives, and I pray that you'll help us to be better friends and become more involved in better friendships. Please help us just to not stay comfortable being friends with only those that we consider church people, but help us to also show love to those who need you and be friends to those because that's what it takes to point them to you, God. And I pray that you'll give us the strength and the courage to do those things. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.